This podcast is brought to you by Pop Spotting, a new show coming this summer covering everything else. Movies, music, television, books, plus interviews, trivia contests, and much more. Learn more at popspotting.net. Transmission, episode 95, May 9, 2010. Please, Dr. Shepard, just leave this alone. You saved John's life. Why can't that be enough? Because it's not. Aloha from the Island Lost fans. You are tuned into the transmission. This is a podcast devoted to the show Lost on ABC. I'm Jen. And I'm Ryan. And we hope you had a great week off. We missed you. We definitely did. We did participate in an epic six and a half hour group podcast uh, conversation with the After Lost podcast. There were at least 20 of us in there. At least. And I checked that out. And I even got to record a little cameo for an upcoming Donald is Lost podcast. I can't (laughs) wait to hear it. But we are now back. And oh my, we are here to discuss the candidate. Up next, we'll try to recap this latest chapter of season six in under eight minutes. Then we'll dive in and share our take on this amazing episode. We'll get to your feedback and you all, everybody. We'll even talk a little bit about how we're thinking the next few weeks will go for the transmission. You'll hear the latest track from the Others Lost Band. And we'll wrap things up with a very quick forward cabin. So you ready? Let's get lost. The 14th episode of the final season of Lost was called The Candidate, and here's what happened. In the flash sideways, Jack wakes up Locke in the hospital, and they recognize each other from the airport. Jack tells Locke that he was hit by a car, but that he's okay. He asks about Locke's original injury and says that he's a candidate for a new procedure to help restore use of his legs. He says he might even walk again, but Locke says, no thank you. Helen arrives and thanks Jack for saving Locke. Jack goes to see Dr. Bernard Nadler, the dentist, to find out how Locke was hurt. Bernard tells Jack that they were on the same flight and says it's pretty weird. Bernard tells Jack that he might be onto something, and while he can't break patient confidentiality, he says another man was in the same accident that paralyzed Locke. Anthony Cooper. Helen catches Jack trying to visit Anthony Cooper in an old folks home. He says he wants to know about the accident. She says that Locke doesn't want the operation and asks why it isn't enough that Jack saved Locke's life. Jack says because it's not. She takes him to see Anthony Cooper who is in a wheelchair and in a vegetative state. Helen says that he is John's father. Back at the hospital Jack tries to revive Locke but he's talking in his sleep saying push the button and I wish you had believed me. He spots Claire in the hall, and she shows him a wooden box that the lawyer said their father wanted her to have. Jack says he doesn't know anything about it, and Claire asks Jack how their father died. Jack says that he drank himself to death in Sydney and that he went there to bring his body back. She says she just flew in from Sydney, and they realize that they were on the same plane. Mm. He asks to see the box, and when they open it, it plays Catch a Falling Star. Jack asks Claire to stay with him. She says that they're strangers, but he says that they're family. 
family. Jack catches Locke being discharged from the hospital and tells him that he went to see his father. Locke explains that they were in a plane crash as he had just gotten his pilot's license and had begged his father to be his first passenger. He was scared, but Locke told him to trust him, and Locke says it's now his fault that his father will never walk or talk again. Jack reminds Locke of their conversation in the airport and tells Locke that his father's gone too. What happened happened and he has to let it go. Locke asks Jack why he thinks it's so easy to let go and Jack admits that he can't let go either. He says he hoped Locke would go first. As Locke leaves, Jack says, I can help you. I wish you'd believed me. And on the island, Jack comes to in the canoe, and Saeed says they're on Hydra Island. He tells Jack that Unlock saved him from Widmore's attack and that everyone who wasn't killed ran away. Unlock shows up and tells Jack that his people were captured and that they have to rescue them. Jack says they're not his people and that he's not leaving the island. Unlock says he hopes Jack changes his mind, but that his friends still want to leave and that he needs Jack to convince them to trust him. Jack asks why they trust him, and Unlock says that he could have killed them and killed all of them, but instead he saved his life, and now he wants to save all of them too. At the Hydra station, Sawyer, Kate, Jin, Sun, Hurley, and Frank are led to the cages. Sawyer grabs a gun, but Widmore points a gun at Kate. He says Sawyer, Hurley, and the Quans are on the list, but Kate is not, and he doesn't care if she dies. Sawyer surrenders, and they're put in the cages. Widmore says he's doing it for their own good. Sawyer tells Kate that he he saw her name in the cave, but it, cro- it was crossed out. Meanwhile, Jin and Sun talk about Ji Yun, and Sun gives Jin his wedding ring back. Suddenly, the power goes out. The smoke monster attacks Widmore's men, and Jack shows up and says he's with him. He opens the cage, and they run all run toward the plane. Jack says he's taking them to the plane, but he's not getting on it. Sawyer thanks him for coming back for them. Saeed shows up, and Jack explains that he was the one who turned off the generators. Saeed says that Unlock is waiting. Over at the plane, Unlock walks straight into a hail of bullets, but kills Widmore's men with ease. He takes a watch off of one of the men and then goes into the airplane. He spies some wires and follows them and finds something in an overhead compartment. Later, Jack's group arrives and Unlock says that Widmore's men were just guarding the plane for show. He says that Widmore wanted them all in the plane to kill them together and shows them four bricks of C4 explosives. He says the plane's not safe, so they're going to take the sub. Sawyer says he's been saying that all along. Hurley says that Alpert said Unlock's not supposed to leave the island, but Sawyer says that Unlock has saved them twice and he's just wrong about him. Jack says that he'll help them get on the sub, but he's still not going with them. As they head for the sub, Sawyer tells Jack that he doesn't trust Unlock one bit and asks for one last favor. Make sure he doesn't get on the sub. Jack asks how, and Sawyer tells him to just get it in the water and he'll take care of the rest. They quickly get to the sub. Sawyer leads Jin, Sun, Hurley, and Frank aboard, and they quickly take over the sub. Outside, Unlock tells Jack that whoever told him not to leave the island was wrong, but Jack says that John Locke told him to stay. Jack throws Unlock into the water, and the rest of the group runs for the sub. Suddenly, Widmore's men start shooting, and Kate is hit. Jack has to help Kate get down into the sub. Jack tells Sawyer that Claire is still outside and Sawyer heads up the ladder. Meanwhile, Unlock climbs out of the water and takes out Widmore's men. When Sawyer sees Unlock approaching, he closes the hatch and tells the captain to dive. Claire runs after the sub, but Unlock stops her, saying, trust me, you don't want to be on that sub. Jack tries to treat Kate's wound and asks for his bag. 
bag. Inside, he finds the C4 and the watch counting down to detonation. Jack realizes that they did exactly what Unlock wanted. Saeed says the bomb is rigged, but they could try to pull the wires. But Jack stops Sawyer and says nothing's going to happen. He says Unlock can't kill them. Jack says he thinks Unlock can't leave the island unless they're all dead and that if he could kill all of them, he would have already. He says that Unlock is just trying to get them all to kill each other and that nothing's going to happen. Jack asks Sawyer to trust him, but Sawyer says that he can't and pulls the wires. The timer starts counting down faster. Saeed tells Jack that Desmond is trapped in a well and that because Unlock wanted him dead, Jack needs him. Jack asks Saeed why he's telling him that and Saeed says, because it's going to be you, Jack. Saeed grabs the bomb and runs down the hall and it explodes. A hatch blows and the submarine starts flooding. Jack tells Hurley to take Kate. Hurley asks about Saeed and Jack says there is no Saeed. They realize that Sun is trapped and Jin, Jack, and Sawyer can't free her. Sawyer is knocked out and Jin tells Jack to save him. Sun begs Jin to go too but Jin says he won't ever leave her again. They kiss as the water rises and the submarine sinks with them inside. Hurley, Kate, Jack, and Sawyer reach shore, and Kate asks about Jin and Son. Jack just shakes his head. Hurley and Kate break down crying, and Jack walks into the waves and cries as well. Meanwhile, on the pier, Unlock says, it's sunk. Claire asks if they're all dead, but Unlock says, not all of them. Claire asks where he's going, and Unlock says, to finish what I started. And And thud. thud. And that was the incredible 14th episode of season six of Lost the Candidate. And we're definitely going to take a break to catch our breath. And when we come back, we'll look at it in greater detail. Well, it's a good thing that we take some time to process each episode because we certainly were in no condition to talk right after The Candidate aired. Uh, Now that we've been able to clear away the tears, I can ask you, how did you like the episode? I really don't know what to say. I mean, I've been... I've been thinking about the podcast today and what I was going to say, and I still don't really have anything. Um, After the episode was over, Ryan was, you know, starting to blog it, and I just turned to him. We were both crying, and I said, (laughs) I'm going to bed, and I went to bed, and I woke up the next morning feeling like I had just suffered some kind of a loss, you know, and I was, I was really sad the next day. Yeah, you were mopey all day. It definitely affected us. And uh, on one hand, you feel it's ridiculous that it did. But no, this is six years that we've known these characters, at least Sun and Jin in particular, and to see them lost together was significant and of course they weren't the only ones that we lost but this was right after their reunion you know at that great scene where they're talking about how beautiful their daughter is and son gives him the ring the ring she's been carrying around trying to find her husband and then they're gone it was absolutely tough and we lost Saeed in this episode as well Saeed who we really weren't sure where he was going this season he was basically moping around and you know since they pulled him out of the water in the temple He was called a zombie. He acted like a zombie. Finally, we get this glimmer of hope when he has the conversation with Desmond. Mm -hmm. It seems that he has that crisis of conscience. He wouldn't be able to tell Nadia, even if he could get Nadia, what he had to do to get her back. So we're hoping he's going to come around. He'll come through and do something heroic. But I wasn't expecting it now. I I figured they were setting him up to be a hero much closer to the end game. And instead, we lose him just moments before we have to process the fact that we lost Sun and Jin as Mm -hmm. well. Three of our season one original recipe characters just wiped out it, it was incredible i'm gonna miss frank and yeah. and yeah. i'll tell you why i mean yes 
he's been kind of the wisecracky, <laughs> kind of a Greek chorus character. And I, f- I feel like they've wasted a lot of potential with Frank. Yeah, you know? definitely. He was going to be the pilot of 815. They could have really gone somewhere with this. Right. But now we don't know anything about him and he's gone. Yeah, and in fact, I guess, uh, you know, the submarine's gone and the plane is not going to be flyable even if it wasn't rigged to explode. So, I mean, it doesn't look like getting off the island is going to be very easy for our losties. But, you know, <laughs> it was just a rough episode, a hard, sad, tragic episode to watch. We were watching with our daughter, Katie, and she's trying hard, hard to process what's happening. She's trying to ask questions, and it's, she's very, babbling, yeah. it's very hard to sniff and say, shh, at the exact same time, I practically choked myself. But, oh, my Lord. I, I will say, though, that we've always known that the stakes of Lost are life and death. In fact, I'm shocked that we made it this far into the entire series with most of our original main cast That's intact. That's true. And I was thinking about it, and part of me is glad that they did it this way. I mean, you might describe it as sort of the Band-Aid method, but you know, just sort of rip it off at once. But to me, I mean, I remember back in season one, season two, Boone died, Shannon died. And mm-hmm. there was sort of this this mindset out there, kind of a death watch mindset where it was like, oh, who's going to be the next one to die? You know, we really kind of thought that that was a game to pick the next character to bite the dust. And I think we kind of avoided that. The writers avoided that very well. But yes, we are now in the last few hours of Lost and we need to show that this show means business. And God, I mean, I definitely felt it. I mean, this is the first episode of season six in a way that feels like an episode of season six. I mean, we've known in our heads that we're close to the end, but we definitely took an arrow to the heart this week. I have to say, I am really enjoying Sideways World Mm -hmm. a lot. I'm Mm -hmm. enjoying the little shifts in the characters. I'm enjoying the way that everybody is coming together, but there's, there's nothing that they can do in Sideways World that would touch me and affect me as deeply as everything Mm. that's gone on on the island this thus far including you know what we saw on on tuesday night just i feel like my heart is with everybody on the island i feel like those are the people that i know yeah we've been following them since 2004 i mean i i think that's a great point as as great as the exercise is as great as how we want to see where that alternative or other timeline is going um wow there's no better way to realize just how much the original timeline the original world meant to us uh, if it weren't for the candidate i think the other lesson that we learned this week is that hmm i guess unlock is seriously a bad dude i am firmly on team <laughs> Widmore now. Well, Widmore, see, Widmore to me is still a mystery. I mean, I still don't know where he's going to fit in. I think we'll get to that in a bit, but I would say that they got rid of any ambiguity, any sympathy that you try to get have for the man in black. I mean, yes, a lot of people are saying, "Of course he was bad." What are you we've been, they've been they've been spelling it out since the beginning that he's evil. He's evil. But he made a good case. He kind of talked to our survivors in a way that seemed to generate a, a, some degree of compassion or some I felt it. I know. I certainly felt bad for him. But I think that he took a huge turn this week, not just, you know, he up until now he did a lot of talking he did a lot of co- coaxing and a lot of suggesting and putting ideas into people's head this episode he becomes seriously badass he walks into a hail of bullets snaps people's necks pulls out a gun shoots people dead I mean he didn't do any of that stuff until this week so I think that they were very overt in saying alright game's over 
Turns out this is the guy you got to beat. <laughs> this right. is the guy that you're going to want to keep on the island. And oh, by the way, his current mission is now to get rid and kill the rest of the candidates. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, let's dive a little deeper into the two parts of this episode. We should start with the flash sideways. Um, still enjoyable. Some great character moments. I got to say, Matthew Fox, Jack's character is really growing on me. Jack is dreamy. Well, I'm not sure if I'd necessarily go that far, but well, you know, he reminds me of like a, he he seems to me like a character out of Grey's Anatomy. You know, <laughs> right. he's a dashing, good-looking, charming doctor. In fact, you know what McDreamy's last name is on Grey's Anatomy? I don't watch Grey's Anatomy. Shepherd. Well, there you go. It's a, it's a, it's a stealth crossover. All these other shows on ABC are stealth crossovers. But yeah, I mean, I kind of see what you're saying. I mean, the scene where he basically is talking to to Locke and Helen comes in and she gives him a big hug of thanks and he has this sort of bemused look on his face. And, you know, he's got that tousled sort of weirdly dorky parted hair. Uh-huh. All of a sudden, I mean, I'm just saying, wow, he's just, you know, just sort of a charming and interesting fellow all of a sudden. Yeah. And so I definitely like that. But I also like that his character is still sort of the Jack we know. He's still cannot drop it he still can't let go he has a hero complex yeah but but he actually addresses it he points out to Locke you know I have a problem letting go too as well and I love the conversation with Helen and the old folks home where she says why isn't it enough and he goes because it's not you know that's just the kind of guy I am I need to figure out what the heck is going on with this patient of mine and he tells Locke I think I can fix you absolutely and we kind of predicted that he would and at least he didn't do it in the way that we were joking he would which is like leaning over Locke on the operating table and like threatening yeah, like or, I'm going to well, fix you like what he did with uh, with his with Sarah, with Sarah right. and said you know you are going to dance at your wedding I mean I was really kind of worried about that particular direction but yeah he's the guy that has to have something to fix he's still that Jack I like Bernard I like him a lot I just I don't know what that whole scene is supposed to mean I mean we know that he goes to Bernard to get info on Locke mm-hmm. but Bernard says a lot of very cryptic things, and I'm just wondering what it is we're supposed to take away from that Well, you know, the music was certainly giving us some non-subtle clues that there might be something else going on here. I mean, he says several things. He goes, you know, uh, I think you're on to something. Like, you know, I already know what you're going to find out, but we're going to put you on that path. You know, he says, I hope you find what you're looking for. And certainly that's Mm -hmm. not the first time that line has been spoken. I mean, it does seem kind of like a weird insertion, sort of like the way that Minkowski shows up as the, the, the driver, right. but I think there might be more to it. I mean, specifically when he's, you know, they, he, he says to Jack, we were on the same plane, you were flirting with my wife, and he goes, weird, huh? Everybody who's finding out that they were on that plane says something like that. Isn't that strange? Yeah. Or isn't that weird? But the way Bernard says it is like he's sort of taunting in a way, like, weird, huh? No, I, I don't know. Maybe we're reading too much into this, but it no, was certainly I, good No, I to agree. See he seems to know. That's why the scene really confuses me, because he, he's clearly in the know in, in a way that nobody else seems to be. And I'm just wondering what it is that he does know. And it's a very, I don't, I don't want to say Jacob, but it's a very uh, lost-like way that he acts. He says, I'm not going to directly directly give you the answer, but, but I'm going to nudge yeah, you in the right direction. Here's a little direction. nudge. I'm yeah. going to give you a little help. So that, that I thought was, was very cool. Now, we did get our, our sort of connection moment in this episode with John Locke, finally, mm-hmm. I think, where he's uh, muttering and says, uh, push the button. And he also says, of course, I wish you'd believed me. Well, that's what he writes to Jack in his suicide note yeah it was originally a message from Locke to jack beyond the grave when uh, he kills himself or ends up dead at least and has to put him on the plane so i mean not an insignificant line and of course it's the final line that jack throws to Locke as he wheels away 
day. And I don't know about you, but do you think Jack is going to get his hands on Locke's dural sack? Ab- absolutely. Jack is not going to rest. He's not going to drop un- it. Until he figures out what to do with Locke. But as far as what happened to Locke, how about the great twist as to how both Locke and, it turns out, Anthony Cooper ended up in wheelchairs? He he cripples Anthony Cooper. I love that. That's that's just that's such a great twist. It was such a shock too the way that they had Anthony Cooper depicted the actor. I mean, that's some seriously good drool acting. I mean, it it, it put it sent shivers down my spine primarily because of how such a menacing character he was. Oh yeah. And you think about right before he dies with Sawyer in the Black Rock, and he's like, "We're in hell," you know, and he's just snarling and full of rage and here he is just this invalid that was definitely a heck of a twist and we'll definitely talk a little bit more about what it might mean with uh, the great comments and you all everybody so we had our mirror moment in this uh, sideways as well jack and claire together actually Mm -hmm. in the mirror on the music box that was nicely done i thought that was really sweet the way they were both looking at it and and just the 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 angle or, or something about it i thought it was really sweet well what of course the catch a falling star is the song that's followed Claire and Aaron around since the very beginning. Mm-hmm. But both of them have no clue why it's significant. And I think that's significant because before when Claire is explaining to the adoptive parents why you know she wants to have that song sung to Aaron, her baby, is because it's a song that her father used to sing to her. Right. So did, the, did Christian Shepherd not sing Catch a Falling Star to either Jack or Claire as a baby? I mean, these little things, I mean, they definitely are fun to think about. Now, in terms of character moments in the flash sideways this week uh, the conversation between Jack and Locke Terry O'Quinn and Matthew Fox right there in the hallway of the hospital just had me riveted it's a great scene they're both such good actors and Jack references the scene in LAX where they're sitting in the baggage claim and, and talking and that was such a great conversation too I just I love that the con- the conversations that Jack and Locke have yeah I mean they're both on the island and off they seem to have a, a, a communion with each other an understanding of each other they see even when they're on opposite them. sides they understand each other yeah and I thought that Terry O'Quinn did a great job just basically explaining I don't want the surgery because I feel I I don't deserve to walk again. I don't deserve that because of what I did to my own father. And and of course, the way that Jack says, you have to let it go. But I know that's hard because I, I have a hard time letting go as well. I, I just love that scene a lot. I do think it's interesting that... Uh, Jack seems to be the one having the most connections to the rest of the people that were on that plane, that everybody who bumps into, oh, I was on that plane. I was on that plane. Right. And we, I mean, Desmond was the one that was sort of putting all of these pieces together. He wants to show them something, but Desmond hasn't really pushed Jack. Jack is just sort of coming across these people on his own. I don't even think Jack has encountered Desmond in Los Angeles. I think Desmond was gone by the time Jack showed up at the lawyer. Right. Oh, I think their conversation on the plane was the only time they had an encounter with each other yeah. and that was before Desmond had his mission so I'm I am kind of curious what uh, where Desmond is right now who else he's out nudging or perhaps hitting with his car anything else in the flash sideways catch your notice Locke passes Jin in the hallway of the hospital oh yeah he's carrying the flowers and of course that scene is right after I mean, clearly that's a little bone for us to savor as we wipe away the tears. Well, let's get to then the action on the island. Um, It sort of starts off a little, you know, kind of familiar. They get thrown back in the cages. Sawyer and Kate. I think I groaned when (laughs) they showed up at the cages. Well, at least they weren't in there alone. And I, I, you know, sometimes they make comments that are a little too on the nose, as they say. But Uh I thought that it was true when Sawyer says, I think we're running in circles. And right down to referencing that fantastic cliffhanger right in the middle 
middle of season three, where, mm-hmm. you know, Pickett, I think, has the gun to Sawyer's, Sawyer's head, head yeah. and now it's the gun to Kate's head. So, you know, in terms of callbacks, I thought that was really, really well done. So what's the deal with the fences? They don't work, and then they work, and then they don't work. You know, it, it seems like they're having a whole lot of problems with their generators. Yeah, for, first the generator and the fences. I thought that was fascinating. I mean, they even make references to, you know, moving the fences, and if he was trying to protect the plane, the fences would be here. And right that that whole cage scene I thought was strange. Why were the fences down? It was turned off, presumably, as Zoe said to when everyone came on the beach, and they were brought straight back to the uh, cages to be to be locked oh, right. up. But does it take that long to turn it back on? I mean, it just definitely seemed like a strange detail for it to fail at that point. And for yeah. Whitmore to actually say, it takes an hour, hurry up, you know, he's coming. Uh-huh. And unfortunately, yes, the smoke monster comes barreling through. And, uh, Bye, Jack- Pugsley. Pugsley, yes, Pugsley. What did uh, Sawyer call him? Uh, Doughboy. Doughboy. Yeah, I could not take that guy seriously. No, no. So, well, he's gone now as well. But in any case, the smoke monster comes barreling through and Hurley goes, okay, we're dead. But uh, <laughs> fortunately, Jack comes to the okay, rescue. Here's here's something I have to know. Okay, okay, Kate, she's trying to get out of the cage. Yes. Does she forget <laughs> that she previously climbed out of the top of the cage? Yes. I mean, you know, maybe in the, in the, in the heat of the moment, you might kind and, of forget And then, that, okay, but. the guy with the key is on the floor. Why doesn't she just grab the guy's hand and pull him closer? Yes. Well, I, I don't know. I Although, mean, you know what that scene reminded me of? <laughs> what? The finale last season when she's reaching for Juliet and Juliet's down the hole and she's like, come on, Juliet. Uh, that's true. Well, so maybe the lear- the lesson we've learned here in Lost is that Kate has short arms. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, where were we? But I mean, the whole point of that is so Jack comes to the rescue and can get them out of the cage. But, you know, point taken, certainly. Um, and they go and they run off to the plane. And that, I think, is sort of the biggest mystery to me from the episode was who is responsible for wiring the plane with explosives? Do you think it was Whitmore? I don't I don't think it was Widmore because if he was that desperate to get rid of Locke, he would have, or keep Locke on the island, he would have just blown the plane up. Right. Why is he keeping it around? Right. And the thing that stands out is that Locke picks up the watch prior to boarding the plane, prior to, quote, unquote, oh, discovering the bomb. I didn't realize that. He has that. the watch. So, I mean, they have to be telling us something there. I don't think that he just goes, oh, that's a nice watch, and then later figures out, oh, I've got a MacGyver idea. I mean, yeah. it, there's such a short period of time between when he shows up and when Jack shows up that he had to have this planned out in advance. So of he course, was yeah. aware of the explosives. And to me, the, the simplest explanation that it wasn't Widmore, because yes, he would have blown up the plane, and because the scenario that Locke describes having all of the candidates in one place and blowing it up is the same for both the submarine and the airplane. So most likely, Unlock has two chances to get them all in one fell swoop. I mean, that's what I think it is. Although the the way that he describes it being hooked up to the uh, electrical system on the plane, how, it doesn't sound like something that would blow up when the plane is flying off the island or, you know, barreling down the runway. You got to turn on the power f- first, early. Maybe uh-huh. maybe Lapidus is going to go up and want to uh, turn on the air conditioning or, or something. Or listen to the eagles. Yeah, maybe he wants to plug in his iPod and then he just blows up <laughs> by himself. So, But yeah, the who put the dynamite, the whole watch thing was definitely a great uh, mystery introduced there. I, I, I do think that Widmore is still trying to protect the candidates. I do think that when he got them on the beach and brings them to lock them up, I believe Widmore when he says, I'm locking you up for your own good. Oh, I totally believe everything yeah. he says now. I'm not necessarily sure if he's still on Jacob's side. The fact that he's somehow aware of the list, though, seems to suggest kind I of a connection. There. I don't think his motives are entirely pure, mm-hmm. but I don't think 
he's out to hurt anybody. I don't think he's out to exploit anybody. He might be acting under his own self-interest, but he's definitely not going to hurt them. Yeah, well, Widmore, like I said, is still kind of a variable to me. And, you know, they haven't got much time left for him to show his true colors. So certainly that's uh, something that I want them to basically play out in the very near future but in any case they uh, give up on the plane and they go for the sub and as Sawyer says you know that's what I've been saying all along they uh-huh. went and took his idea and uh, they take over the sub with uh, some degree of ease actually actually and, a ridiculous amount of ease uh, at least until bullets start flying and Kate gets hurt and then Jack has to take Kate onto the sub and I'm mm-hmm. thinking okay this is how Jack is going to get stuck he's not going to be able to jump off the boat like he did with Sawyer he's going to be in the submarine and he's still going to have to leave with all of the candidates but you know, you get that moment where Claire goes running after the sub. She's <laughs> going to have herself some abandonment issues now. <laughs> no kidding. She was left behind, and then she gets left behind when they go running for the boat, uh-huh. and then she gets left behind again. I mean, uh, it was Randy, <laughs> I think, here in Hawaii who called and said, you know, watch out. You know, she's going to be pissed. She's going <laughs> to, if she ever sees Kate again, she's going to have some words. But in any case, uh, the, the moment is when Locke says, trust me, you don't want to be on that sub and your heart just sinks and you know something big is going to happen and sure enough Jack opens his bag and there's the bomb and the countdown timer and in terms of tension and drama the entire submarine sequence was just incredible the claustrophobia seemed real the scenario seemed very visceral and just in your face I I just I, I stopped breathing right when all of that stuff started unfolding I think I had my hand over my open mouth from (laughs) the time that Kate was shot all the way to the very end. Yeah, it was uh, definitely intense. And the showdown, the fantastic showdown between Jack and Sawyer. And Jack says, I figured this out. He can't kill us. We have to end up killing each other. If we don't do anything, we're going to be just fine. And of course, he's going back to that fantastic showdown between him and Albert. And the dynamite. And the dynamite. I loved it. You know, you want to try another stick? You know, Jack is totally confident and I love it. But Sawyer... He's so Sawyer, and because the last time Jack said, trust me, he, there is no way. I mean, I totally also identified with Sawyer. There is no way he's going to not do something at that point of because course. of what happened the last time. So he pulls the thing, and uh, well, so here's the metaphysical question of this episode, perhaps the one that's going to be debated the most out of this episode, and that's if nothing was done, if no one had touched the bomb, would it have gone off or not? You know, it's sort of like Lost's uh, variation on Schrodinger's cat. If they didn't mess with it, would he have been right? Would nothing have happened? I believe so. You believe that Jack was right? I believe that the the scenarios have changed and all the characters are different people now. And Jack is now Locke. And he has the faith in the island. He has belief of of a certain future. And Sawyer is the one who is now saying, nah this is how it is and this is how I'm doing it. Mm. And I really feel like this was a demonstration of that. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a a huge moment between the two of them. Um, I agree with you. I think because of that dynamite scene, because of who Jack is, that he was right and the bomb wouldn't have gone off. Well, I think it's interesting that Sawyer's actions lead to the deaths of other people but he's still alive. Right. He can't kill himself, but he can kill other people, other candidates, actually. And actually, I don't know, maybe if you kill another candidate, are you still a candidate? I mean, I wonder if Sawyer's 
still on the list now. But in any case, you're right. He couldn't commit suicide the way Jack couldn't commit suicide. But, I mean, talk about an impossible maze of unanswerable questions and, and scenarios. And How direct an action can the man in black take to kill these candidates? He's the guy that put the bomb in the backpack. That's a pretty direct action but leading to Jack brought the bomb on the sub. True, that's true. But then he had to require them to do something to the bomb. He, he had to count on them finding it within three minutes of getting on that submarine. Mm-hmm. How did he know that Pearlie wasn't going to be able to find a first aid kit and that he was going to have to look in the bag to and, find a first aid kit? Yeah, but did you notice there's a there was a first <laughs> aid kit right behind Frank's head? Absolutely. Right after Hurley goes, sorry, can't find one. They almost go directly to Lapidus talking to the captain and right behind his head is a first aid kit prominently placed. So, <laughs> I mean, what are they trying to tell us with that? I mean, that so many uh, talk. I mean, that's not that's more than a long con. That's a impossible sequence of events, and I can just sort of see the philosophical debates unfolding for years to come, as far as Lost is concerned. In any case, the timer does speed up, and time runs out for our friends. And here is Saeed, the person who's been dead without feeling a zombie all season, suddenly has a flash of his old self, of of caring for his friends, and he's you know he's an expert on bombs, and he's going to help them figure. Out how I to disarm this love thing. that in the very first episode of this show, Sawyer accuses Saeed of being a terrorist. Right, and now right. Saeed basically commits a bo- uh, suicide bombing in order to save everybody else. Yeah. I mean, I thought that was poetic. And, and I mean, you look at the entire story arc of Saeed and how he was basically told his whole life who he is. You are a killer. You are a bad person. Yeah. I think, I mean... It's unfortunate that he was basically, you know, uh, moping his way through this last season. But I think what had happened was he had, in his heart, believed what had been said about him. He believed what everyone called him. I am a killer. I have no feeling. I'm a zombie. Uh And it is here where he wakes up and he finally has that flash and he does the right thing. But yes, this character of all people, I think, definitely deserved to do something saving everyone's lives. So uh, a sudden and unexpected end for Saeed, perhaps, but uh, I think a, a good one. I mean, definitely part of the overall shock of this episode because no sooner does uh, Jack yell, there is no Saeed, they've got to get the heck out of there. And the the water level's rising and uh, Hurley saves Kate and Jack has to save Sawyer. And, uh, well, I mean, as soon as you saw that Sun was trapped, you know, first behind that big bulkhead Uh that they had to pull off of her, as soon as that scenario became clear, you knew what was coming. I mean, I I don't think I breathed as a breath from that moment where you saw her stuck. And then, of course, she's still entangled in things and uh-huh. she can't get away. And uh, there's nothing more dramatic than being trapped and, and water level rising. I mean, it's Poseidon Adventure. It's it's all of these. It's Titanic. It's all of these other movies. I that have to give say, that sense. I was fine until the music started to swell. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, yes. And it's not the first time they've done that to us. It is as soon as you hear that plink, those strings of life and death from Giacchino's score, that is the cue. It's the... It, it's the Oh, it just got you right there, and it was awful. You were yelling, and you were like, no, no. And that was when Kate's like, what the heck is going on here? What is going on with my parents? Oh, I'm already starting to get a little worked up just thinking about it. I mean, what a, a tragic and sudden death for two of these characters, certainly favorites of ours. I mean, maybe it's just being in Hawaii and certainly uh, loving the multi-ethnic cast, which was certainly thinned with this episode. Absolutely, but yeah. you've got Sun and Jim 
Jin, the the Koreans, the 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 brave casting, the use of subtitles, and they're gone. They 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 die. I just I to, like it was definitely telegraphing Charlie's death. It oh, hit yeah. just as hard as Charlie's death. It, everything about that scene brought Charlie back in in a way that I mean I never thought I would feel that again watching this yeah, show I just mean, that heartbreak and they have that scene where their hands their dead hands oh, drift apart man. and the the submarine drifts you know drifts down into nothingness and oh god it was rough and okay commercial break and uh you think okay reality check well and let apparently us the commercial the comer- I'd, I'd heard this and i didn't watch it until yesterday but the, the commercial that followed that scene was actually really funny that's what i've heard but i mean that was pretty jarring what we had just been through we saw uh-huh. our friends of, of, of five six years suddenly die and then you get this commercial i would i personally would be kind of bummed if i was that company <laughs> but you think you get a chance to catch your breath and they come back and yet they get you again because hurley and kate and jack and sawyer drag themselves onto the beach completely defeated soaking wet half dead two of them and hurley cries hurley sheds a tear and that was it i mean once again the waterworks go because you know what as hurley goes so goes lost you talk about a guy who embodies us you talk about a guy who says and does what really we all feel and that was what we were all feeling and i just i loved that moment in terms of its drama and the the sheer tragedy of it but it was definitely a dark moment for us i mean it was uh, it was beautifully dark do you know what this episode was what the empire strikes back of Lost? I, yes. I feel you. I mean, this was it. The, in, in the entire history of Lost, I certainly don't think I reacted to anything like I did this episode. And oh, what else is there to say? Um, one thing that kind of struck me is we've been told all season, people actually explicitly have said, son or Jin? Son or Jin? Who's the candidate? Which one do you think is the candidate? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it doesn't matter. I mean, are we ever going to find out which one was the candidate? Jian. You think it's still Jian? Yes. You know, a lot of people on the blog are still really excited about the possibility that the kids in uh, all of our characters' lives are actually key to the show. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm on that boat, but uh, we lost them both together. And, and as we mentioned, you know, <laughs> Kate asks, what about Sun and Jin? And they forget that they got onto the submarine with a guy named Frank. And, yeah. you know, that's just kind of sad that uh, he's not even included in that roll call on the uh, beach. You know what? I, I don't know why I have this feeling, but I'm not really totally convinced we've lost frank oh you're not alone i mean a lot of people i mean that that's one reason why i think they showed us that scene with the hands you know underwater it was terrible but there's sort of this thing with lost if you don't see them die then maybe they're not dead and how many times did mikhail come back Uh and that seemed completely ridiculous so we don't know necessarily what happened to frank i think getting clonked in the head though with a 400 pound steel door would pretty much do you (laughs) in in a in a in a place filling with water but uh, i i hope you're right i mean all they've got left as an airplane for crying out loud Mm -hmm. but uh i don't know if they bring frank back after killing off sun and jin and saeed i think there might be rioting in the streets uh but uh the ranks of our candidates have certainly been thinned quite a bit hurley sawyer and jack yep that's all that's left and interestingly unlock standing on the pier even though all this happening is happening somewhere else seems to know that they're not dead i don't know i have this feeling that he's just done this a whole bunch of times before i mean maybe not with the same exact people and maybe not with the under the exact same circumstances but he's definitely 
gone through many, many cycles of candidates, I'm well, I sure. Mean, I agree with that, um, but I do think that he was hoping that the submarine gambit would be the last one. He seemed a little peeved that the, they weren't all dead when he, he tells Claire that. Right. And I think that what we saw is that he was expecting some significant shift, that some part of his inner nature would transform when all of the candidates were gone. Maybe he'd stop being John Locke. Yeah, maybe he'd stop being John Locke. Maybe he'd just become a smoke monster. Or maybe he'd just be freed. I mean, maybe maybe leaving the island doesn't require a mode of transport at all. In fact, I think maybe that's what we've learned this episode. Right. He doesn't actually need to take a boat or a plane or a submarine to get off the island. He needs to be freed and that requires the death of all of the candidates. But I def definitely an interesting development and the fact that he's now resolved to finish them off. I mean, so... It's obvious that we're moving down to the final showdown between uh, Unlock and, well, the episode's called The Candidate. I think it's pretty telegraphed that the person who's succeeding Jacob, the person whose task it is to confound Unlock or the smoke monster or the man in black's plans is Jack. Well, Saeed says that it's going to be you, Jack. Yeah, absolutely. He, he, he's been hanging around with Unlock. He's got a sense for what threatens him, and it's Desmond to some extent, but I think definitely that Jack is the next Jacob. Now, uh, uh, basically, now then, we've got two possible outcomes. The, all the candidates are killed, including Jack, and uh, the man in black gets off the island, or Jacob is succeeded by Jack, and uh, you have what many people see now as the scenario of uh, Jack and Unlock, you know, Terry O'Quinn and Matthew Fox sitting on a beautiful beach. Locke tells Jack, you don't know how much I want to kill you, and they have a conversation about the next vessel coming in bringing people to the island i mean do you think that's where lost is going i don't think it can be that simple and i think whatever anybody has dreamed up it's not going to be any of that but i think there's definitely a grain of truth to that yeah i mean it's just starting to feel that uh, there aren't many there aren't any like i said there aren't many other possible ways that it could go but maybe that's what we're waiting for lost to do is to prove us completely wrong i think <laughs> i would be happy in either case now that would mean if only jack's the one left that everyone else is going to have to bite the farm well what about kate what about Kate? Well, here she is. She's mortally wounded. Yes. She's been told at least once to her face, and we've been hearing it for a while, that she's not on the list. She's not important. Mm -hmm. To me, that just screams, okay, she is important. I, actually, you're right. I mean, I think that, that what could be the end result of the repeated assertions that she's insignificant and not part of the grand plan, except that maybe she is. Uh, that would kind of surprise me to some extent. Um, you know, Sun and Jin, though, they found their purpose in terms of reuniting with each other. But what is the purpose left for Kate? That Well, you know, Claire's still around, though, so I think there might true. be the possibility of that particular showdown. I don't know, though. That's true. I mean, I guess Kate still is also a variable or a player in this grand game. The story goes that Kate was supposed to be the hero of the show. She was supposed to be the main character. When they first pitched Lost. Right. I mean, Jack was going to die in the first act, and Kate was left to, to be the leader. Hmm. And I think it would be great if she is the one left standing at the end of all of this. That would be very daring and unexpected. Would you be happy with that? Yes. I really? think it would redeem her. You well, know, I've said all along, I don't have a problem with Kate. I have a problem with what they've done with Kate. And if she were to come out at the end of all this and be a hero and to have, you know, changed the lives of all of these people, 
people in some way, mm. I would really love that. Wow. I, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> um, but that, I agree that in terms of uh, being surprised and confounding our expectations, that would certainly do it. I think we've got more comments on Kate in You All Everybody, so I think I'll save more of my comments for that. I think my last question for what's going on on the island, though, is where exactly are Alpert, Miles, and Ben? Well, where were they going? Did they? They said they were going to the barracks to get dynamite to blow up the plane. Mm-hmm. So wait, were they the source of the dynamite on the plane? You know, I was thinking possibly that's that's true. That's the exact. There, that was their exact mission. Was what we saw going on on the plane. But yeah. would they've been allowed on the plane with Widmore's men there, or maybe they're all on the same side? It gets a little confusing. Uh, it be, it is kind of fascinating though that their objective has already been met by somebody if uh-huh. they're still off trekking around somewhere. I, I it, it seemed like a very practical reason to sort of sh- you know separate them from the group because of the storytelling. That had to happen, but now they're becoming a really kind of gaping hole in terms of uh, the story and our characters. I mean, and some of our favorite characters are still in that group. Right. So, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I guess that's our thoughts for this episode, although we do like to talk about locations. Mm-hmm. Um, there were only a couple that uh, were really of note in the Flash Sideways, of course. They were still at the Rehab Hospital of the Pacific, which is basically all of these facilities that they're spending time in lately. And the uh, dental office was actually a dental office where Bernard was. It was Kahala Dental Care out in uh, Kahala Mall. So, I think my kids, our kids' dentist is in yeah, the I same think that's, building. It's a, it's a, there's a pediatric uh, dental center there, and that's mm-hmm. where our kids go. So maybe we should see if our kids can see Dr. Bernard Nadler instead. (laughs) In any case, those are our thoughts for The Last Recruit, the 14th episode of the final season of Lost. Which is now 30 minutes longer. Yes, if you haven't heard, the season finale on Sunday, May 23rd, is now going to go an extra 30 minutes that night. And wow, talk about an epic evening of Lost that's lining up here. We'll share our plans for that at the end of our next segment, which is where we hear your thoughts and theories in You All, Everybody. We got a lot of fantastic feedback this week. Folks typing and talking through the tears, dozens of emails, over 400 comments on the blog, and a lot of fantastic voicemails. So we want to get straight to those. We'll talk less so you can speak more. First up, Knives, Megan, and Carol. Hey, Ryan and Jen. This is Knives Monroe from Texas. I just want to say that I saw this episode with uh, a friend of mine, and normally I watch episodes with my brother, who I can cry with. But with this friend, um, it was really hard because I tried not to cry, and I just broke down completely. And I can't believe Saeed is gone. And I'm glad he redeemed himself um, in a way. I'm glad he didn't kill Desmond as official. But uh, I just wanted to make this observation and not get too emotional on everybody. Um, if there's something to be taken from this episode other than the extreme heat, um, that, that the man in black's philosophy proves right tonight. And I hate him for being right because, you know, Jacob was a man of faith and man in black believes that all humans, all people are just, you know, uh, corrupt and, uh, they're fallible and they just create evil. Well, Sawyer proved that today. He could have just listened to Jack. If Sawyer was wrong, and Sawyer's going to have to live with that, but uh, I don't know where the show's going to go from here. Uh, this, to me, this is finale material. Mahalo, namaste, and uh, I'll see all of you guys in another life, if not in this one. 
Hi, Ryan and Jen. This is Megan from Virginia. I'm calling about tonight's episode, The Candidate. Um, I'm just amazed. I was in shock, especially the last 30 minutes of the episode. I guess that means Saeed and Stun and Jen are crossed off the list, and I was sad to see Lapidus go. I always liked him, and I just thought it was just a great episode. I think it's um, my favorite, even in front of uh, Desmond's episode, Happily Ever After. Um, I don't have any mythology or any theories. I just want to say how much I really enjoyed this episode, and I'm really sad that we're coming down to the wire. And I can't wait to hear the podcast, and talk to you guys later. Bye. Hi, Ryan and Jen. This is Carol from Boston. And I guess this was an HFC episode in the way that holy freaking cry, because I cried when Saeed died, and that Sun and Jin's final moments together. And I started all over again when I saw her with his lone tear and seeing them all break down on the beach, finally releasing all the sadness they've had over losing so many friends. It, it was a really, really tough episode to watch at the end. But I, I really loved the episode. You know, at that point, I didn't care about mythology. I, I just was so enthralled in the story. It, it was a great, great episode. I, I'm going to miss Ie, but I'm glad he got his redemption and his story ended that way instead of part of fake Locke's zombie ar- army. I, I hope that Lapidus is alive. I wouldn't be surprised to have him show up at some key moment with a joke and, and a way to save the day. It was fun seeing Bernard as a dentist, and I definitely think he knows what's going on. He has already been enlightened. But rather than getting involved, he's trying to set Jack on the right path to figuring it out for himself. Um, thanks to both of you and to the You All Everybody board for some great insight to this week's episode. And, boy, it's going to be a rough few weeks. I think there's going to be a lot of crying moments. But thanks for sharing it with me. Bye. Mahalo for those calls. Now, Knives, not the only person to call in in the throes of sorrow, but I wanted to share his call in part because he's a very strong and opinionated and articulate and frequent contributor on our blog. I love reading his stuff. And for of anybody to be that upset, I think it says something that he was was really affected by this episode. I would love for Jack to punch Sawyer in the face and say, you're wrong, the way Sawyer did that. Yeah, that'd be pretty awesome. And yes, I guess uh, in that respect, the man in black was right about the fallibility of mankind. Megan, you know, telling a story that many people did, that they were crying so hard that people thought something was seriously wrong there. Uh, I don't think she's the only person taking the day off after the finale. I don't think so either. I'm actually going to want to see some national statistics on how that's going to (laughs) go. And finally, Carol, I think she put it well. We sort of forgot about the mythology and the questions for a while and just got sucked into this story. I think she, um, I agree with her that Bernard definitely seems to have some kind of knowledge that we don't share yet and I'm wondering where does he know how does he know all of this I don't know I mean I think we know that uh, either a near death experience or love can do it and if Rose is suffering from cancer and Bernard loves Rose maybe you just got both there for them Mm. next up Jackie Kristen Amber and Nancy hi guys this is Jackie and Dave from Brooklyn hey and uh, we're just kind of exhausted here from the enormous amount of emotion and tension and heartbreak that we're feeling right now. I mean, yeah, I don't understand what Damon and Carlton are trying to do to us here. They're freaking killing us. I was just shocked and appalled. And Overall, I thought it was a great episode. The acting was amazing. Great. I mean, the emotion was so raw, and I'm just still feeling that heartache, man. I just wanted to share my my ideas with you guys. Thank you for the podcast. Thank you for the podcast. 
Bye-bye. Hey, Ryan and Jen. This is Kristen and Carl calling from Washington, D.C. Uh, we just watched the most recent episode of Lost, and frankly, we have to say that it's the best episode of the season. Oh, that's not. Primarily due to the serious amounts of carnage, we lost Son, Jen, Lapidus, Saeed, and various Widmore henchmen. Anyway, that's all we had to say from apparently the both of us right now. We can't wait to hear what you guys think. Thanks for everything you do. Bye. Hey, Ryan and Jen. It's Amber from Utah. And I'm feeling extremely guilty right about now. Yesterday afternoon, I was re-watching season five with my little sister, and I said, okay, son, just go and die. And now I'm feeling extremely guilty about that. I was so sick of Sun and Jen all through season five and all through season six, but I really think they've redeemed their, I need to find my husband, I need to find my husband, one track, one line. I think they've redeemed that in these last few minutes. And that's all I'm going to say, because if I start talking about Saeed, I'm going to cry, and I already promised you guys I'm more crying. So can't wait to hear your thoughts. Hey, Ryan and Jen, it's Nancy from New York. First time, long time. Wow, that was a, that was a tough episode. I kind of knew the Quans were dead once I heard... Michael Cimino's score. I didn't really need to see their cold, dead hands, but I had to think of Jen and all those who would have preferred that they never found each other. They're dead. Are you happy now? It was sad, and I'm glad we saw that our remaining uh, losties mourn their dead friends. I'm really liking Jack this season. I appreciate how appreciated how he explained the candidates, you know, how they couldn't be killed except for by each other. I felt like that was a better reveal than what Hurley did uh, with the, hey, I think I know what this is. Um, thanks for all you do. I'll miss you guys, and aloha. Thanks for those calls. A couple of fun calls from lost fan couples. They're freaking uh, killing us. Yes, I love that. And uh, Amber, through the tears, feeling guilty for making fun of Sun and Jim. I feel horrible. I really do. because We were only just a few weeks ago kind of, you know, making fun of the whole situation. And, and now that we can see those scenes through this lens, it's really heartbreaking. And uh, Nancy basically piling on saying, hey, you guys happy now? Absolutely point taken. I agree that Jack's explanation of everything that is going on is a lot more organic than Hurley's explanation of the whispers. Absolutely. I definitely th- I think that's a great point. Next up, Kate, Blue Dog, and Jen. Hi, Ryan and Jen. This is Kate from California. I want to say, first of all, how much I love your podcast. Um, So I watched The Candidate last night, and wow, what an episode. So much emotion, so much to process and think about. First of all, throughout all the Jack hate, I have never hated Jack, and I'm so happy to see that he's come back around to being that first season Jack, you know, where he's sure of his convictions and strong and decisive and just seems to be centered and really know what he wants and he even cried last night he's in touch with his emotions so I am loving this Jack and um, obviously the son and Jen dying Lapidus dying Saeed dying it was horrible just so many tears it was so dusty in the living room Um, but I did love the moment um, when they were on the beach after they got out of the sub, when Kate broke down and was hugging Jack and saying, I couldn't find you, I thought I lost you. And I thought it was just neat how she 
broke out of that reserve that she's had around Jack for so long and really let her emotions show. I thought that was really touching. Hi, Ryan and Jen. It's Blue Dog 1121 from California. Um, I'm calling a comment on the candidate. Uh, I don't want to talk about um, the how totally devastated I was by the loss of four of our losses. Um, but what I want to comment on, about is uh, Jack. Um, I have never been very much of a Jack fan. Uh, he's always a little bit annoying to me. Uh, he cries a lot, which is annoying to me. Um, I've always been more of a Sawyer fan. But this season, every episode that goes by, I like Jack a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Um, he seems to finally be waking up and, and seeing what it is that he's supposed to do. And uh, I got so frustrated last night when uh, they were all on the sub and Jack said, just leave it alone. It'll be fine. And then Sawyer pulled the wires and I about lost it. Um, and uh, after after the episode ended, I, I said to myself, well, I'm I'm thoroughly team Jack now. If they had listened to Jack, if Sawyer had just trusted Jack, which I know is hard to do because of all of the background of Juliet dying and, and all of that, but if he had just trusted Jack and let it go, then maybe they would all be fine. So, so woo, go Team Jack. <laughs> um, thanks, you guys. Bye. Hello, this is Jen from Augusta, Puppy Wings on Twitter. Just come about the latest episode, The Candidate. The candidate says it all. We know who it is. It's going to be Jack. It has to be Jack. All the signs are pointing to Jack, especially when Jack was handing the candy bar to Claire in the waiting room. That was just like Jacob handing the candy bar to um, Jack in uh, season five. Um, I love this episode because it reminded me of some of the original episodes in season one where they're all working together. And you know what makes it so great, too, is why it's like original, the original ones is in season one, is because they always have each other's back. No matter how much conflict is in between this group, they're always on each other's sides in the end. They're, they got there together, and they worked together, and... It was awesome. I loved it. That was one of the greatest episodes of this season. And you guys are awesome. Mahalo. Um, can't wait to hear more theories. Bye-bye. Mahalo for those calls. Well, Kate saying that it got dusty in the living room. Well, that's a line we use a lot, but we stole it from uh, Film, Film Spotting. spotting but they stole podcasts. it from Bill Simmons, yeah, the, the sports, sports writer. Yeah. So, you know, credit where credit's due. Um, both Kate and Blue Dog saying that they really like Jack, and we certainly I agree. agree. You know, I like uh, Blue Dog saying that she was annoyed with Jack before. He was always crying before. Jeers. Yeah, Jack, Jack tears. Jeers. Um, but, uh, you know, firmly team Jack. Now, I also like what uh, Kate said about Kate, you know, that she broke down finally in front of Jack. She's always had kind of this mm-hmm. wall up. So certainly a, a moment there on the beach. And Jen, really good observation. Jack hands Claire a candy bar, just like Jacob does. I kind of liked oh, that yeah. kind of connection there. But uh, Tim in London called with a similar observation. He points out, though, that Claire says no, which might be sort of a commentary there. Mm-hmm. And uh, also points out that, you know, Jack is also on the hunt for candidates for his surgery. So, you oh, know, the yeah. parallels with Jacob are definitely lining up. Next up, Sobeka, Jesse, and Bo. Hi, Ryan and Jen. It's Sobeka from Boston. I just finished watching The Candidate and (laughs) cleaned up my tears. Um, I don't know. I I really don't know how I feel about this episode. I think the final parts, um, the Juan dying, Frank dying, Saeed dying, 
were all so quick and the lead up to them. There was very little moment to reflect on Saeed's supposed redemption and how he got there. It was all very quick and um I don't know, I'm kind of upset that these four characters kind of got shafted out of the beautiful death scenes that Charlie had or even <laughs> Nikki and Powell had. They had an entire episode. Um this this was very rushed and I'm very, very upset. Um because it seems like Jin and Sun and Saeed and Frank were all killed off in this little submarine explosion that was just part of Locke's plan and nothing that had plot resonance like Juliet. She got to blow up Jughead. She got to do this. There was a reason for that. There was a reason for Charlie. And uh, this just seems like collateral damage, and I thought our characters deserved more than that. Um, but I'm sure a lot of this is just me being upset about some of my favorite characters not being with us anymore. Uh, so thank you for all the work you do. I look forward to your podcast. Bye. Hey there, Ryan and Jen. It's Jesse again. Long time no talk, guys. Uh, first, I must be the most heartless guy in the world because I honestly think I'm the only person uh, on the forums, on TalkBack, uh, you guys, who didn't shed like a single tear or feel like any emotional connection to these people. Boone, Charlie, Anna Lucia, Libby, Echo, all those people, I felt something for when they died. I mean, even Anna Lucia. But this season... We know the deaths are, like, almost comical and, and seem emotionless, and now Saeed, Frank, and the Quans, and I think it just hit me that the reason none of these deaths are, are feel important or sorrowful to me is because they're still walking around in another timeline, and I, I don't know. I mean, they even go as far as to show Jin with flowers in the hospital, proving that, you know, uh, Sun is still alive. So in the end, their deaths really don't mean anything to me, and... I mean, I don't know, I think I'm just really into the off-island timeline now. Like, way more than the island. I mean, the off-island timeline still has that, like, season one mystery feel to it, right? And the uh, the, the on-island timeline is just momentum. It, it, each episode builds momentum to the next one. I hope there's a payoff, or else I may just go crazy. But, uh, yeah, that's it, guys. Uh, thanks for letting me blather on, and... Uh, I'll be listening. Hi, Ryan and Jen. It's Bo over in Los Angeles. Um, I just had a little bit of a gripe on the deaths on Lost. First of all, I love this episode. It was so striking. It was so intense. I was just crying. It was amazing. Um, but when Saeed grabbed that bomb and he ran off, I was so like grateful for the redemption of his spirit. But I also wish that he could have just thrown the bomb and closed the door and maybe spared himself. It's just as frustrating as I felt with Charlie when they blew out the window in his death and he just drowned. I wish he could have just swam out the window. It's just one of those things where it's like, I know in the midst of the moment they're committed to their positions, but I just wish that maybe they could have tried to just, anyway, I guess I, all I have to say is I really love Saeed and I was sad to see that he was gone and it was very altruistic of him, but damn, couldn't he have just thrown that bomb, shut that door? Okay, I'm done. Thanks. I love you guys. Your podcast is the best. Bye. Thanks for those calls. Well, Sobeka saying that uh, the, the, these deaths just seemed a little too rushed, that they didn't have that much, you know, meaning to them. Well, I agree that, that Sun and Jin and Saeed were kind of collateral damage. I mean, their deaths really didn't have a specific plot relevance. But to me, that really adds to kind of the the 
the feel of of what's it's really building up the drama on the show. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's more it's true to life. It's that some people you care about aren't going to always necessarily have a role to play. But I mean, she makes a good point that Nikki and Paulo got a whole episode to die. But in any case, uh, Jesse saying that he really didn't cry in part because he felt that the flash sideways gives you an escape valve. I mean, I guess that's a a fair point. I can kind of see. I kind, but still, it was very hard to watch. Yeah, I I think that it proved to me that uh, the flash sideways just don't have their hooks in us quite as deep as our characters on the island. And finally, Bo with some very practical questions about what happened on the sub. Saeed didn't have to hold on to the bomb. And yeah, Charlie's death, I picked on the fact that he could have just as easily shut himself out with the door instead of in with the door. And I think that, you know, anyone who worked on a submarine, your brother did, would know that it's got many fail-safes and seals and compartments to prevent the kind of catastrophic sinking that we saw in this episode. And I I would say it's just television. Mark from Maryland called in and actually to address this and, he said that he believed that Saeed was not acting rationally, but he was acting realistically. You know, he was acting like somebody caught up in in the in a moment, and he did exactly what somebody else would have done. Yeah, I mean, when I was watching the episode, everything just seemed very natural, very dramatic, very real. I mean, looking back on these things, we can pick up on all sorts of questions. Actually, that reminds me, one thing that we didn't talk about that a lot of people brought up on the blog and in calls was, why didn't Sun and Jin think about Ji Yun, their daughter, when they make this pact, basically, to die together. And, you know, we're parents, and I can sort of see some validity validity to that question, but I think, again, it was just the, the spur of the moment. You are watching your wife potentially die after you spend all this time to get back together with her, and you're just not going to leave her, and that's what's in your mind. I kind of like the fact that she says, go on without me. I mean, how many times have you seen that in a movie or something? Yeah. But in this case, you know, he doesn't. He sticks around, and I, I think that I like that they turn that on its head maybe honestly speaking Jin doesn't have a connection with Jian they've mm. they've never met I so mean he probably doesn't feel it I mean he'd be estranged to her that's something that even Claire said about going back to uh to to, uh, Aaron. to Aaron so yeah I mean fair point certainly but uh, you never know what you're gonna do in a dramatic situation finally we hear from Adam Matt and Dave aloha Ryan and Jen this is Adam calling from Nashville Tennessee I hope you guys are well I have to say I am impressed uh, over and over again with Terry O'Quinn, especially when we get both uh, Flash Sideways lock and unlock in the same episode. Um, The conversation that he and Jack had in the hospital, where Jack was, you know, trying to do basically the last uh, cell, if you will, of uh, the surgery and uh, seeing him talk about his father, you could just see the inner anguish um, in that character's face. And, man, just big props to him for that. Uh, also, Jack uh, meeting Bernard there in the Flash Sideways, and uh, Amy said she thinks Bernard knows something. I don't know. There's something about his tone of voice, and it's something you see in his eyes. So I'm curious as to what's going on with that. So uh, thank you guys again so much for everything. Been listening for a long time. We appreciate you so much. And uh, peace out. Hey, Ryan and Jen. This is Matt from Cleveland. Um, Now that I've had some time to process the episode, um, after I finished bawling my eyes out and cheering ecstatically, I really, really loved it. I, I was really excited when Locke fell in the water because, well, you know, we all thought that he couldn't, in water. Well, apparently that doesn't matter. 
guess he just doesn't like water for some reason. Whatever. Um, and then the episode went downhill from there. I I started bawling my eyes out and screaming and punching the wall and stuff in the lounge that I was watching it at school. And uh, one of the RAs from the floor below us came up and yelled at us for being too loud. Uh, you know. But, uh, yeah, so that episode was just phenomenal, and I really like that Locke, that Locke has a good relationship with his father. And I think we've kind of had it revealed, maybe, that Anthony Cooper is not the same Anthony Cooper that killed Sawyer's parents. But, I mean, he could be. Who knows? Guess we'll just have to wait and see. Bye, guys. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Jen. This is Dave from uh, Detroit, Michigan. Uh, I'm such a long-time listener of your podcast with me and my family that uh, I have to get a call in at least once before the series ends. Um, so, <clears throat> amazing, amazing series. I mean, episode. Uh, some questions I have as, um where was Whitmore when um, uh, Smokey went on his rampage um, by the uh, cages? Uh, Whitmore seemed to be conveniently missing. It's also, I thought, very convenient that... Um, if Woodmore rigged the uh, Jira plane, that he supplied uh, Flack with everything he needed to um, to carry out his uh, plan. So it leaves me wondering just um, exactly whose side Woodmore is on. I mean, that's been a mystery all, all, all season, but this just kind of ramps it up a little bit. My son, uh, Chris, is in uh, ninth grade. He's studying Shakespeare right now. And uh, his observation last night that this is uh, unfolding like a Shakespearean tragedy where all the main characters are probably going to die in the end, and his prediction is the only one who will be uh, surviving will be Claire. Uh, I just want to say also that, for me, this was probably the saddest episode in the entire series. Thanks a lot. Mahalo. Mahalo for those calls. Well, Adam and Amy having a lot of love for Terry O'Quinn. He's amazing. Absolutely. And Ray and Richmond also called in to give some love to the acting there, agreeing that Bernard's up to something. Matt in Cleveland, uh, yeah, I thought it was kind of weird, too, that when uh, Unlock was thrown into the water, he didn't you know, start f- fizzing or something. Well, maybe the whole water thing is just a limitation of his form as a smoke monster. Right. He can just not fly over I mean, it. It's a trade-off. You know, he can't fly when he's locked, but he can go in the water. Right. Or, he, yeah, he can just be a regular person on a boat. Do you think that Anthony Cooper, the the invalid now, is the same person that Sawyer's looking for? I don't know. I think that's something we'll never really definitive, definitively get an answer to. Gosh, you know, now that he brings it up, I'm like, that suddenly is kind of a big deal to me. I'm not sure, though, if uh, what, what's he going to do if the person that he's looking for all of this time is uh, a vegetable in, a, in an old folks home? I'm not sure. And finally, Dave in Detroit uh, thinks that Widmore is on Unlock's side secretly. Do you think so? No. I, I don't think so either, although it does seem mysterious that he's not involved in the, the casualties, at least, to what's happening. I like that uh, his son's observation that this is very Shakespearean. Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah, sort of like the end of Hamlet here. And uh, Suman in California had the same thought. Well, we got a lot of calls, so many great stories, many first-time callers, uh, Neil in Michigan, Anthony in Chicago, he was embarrassed to be a 47-year-old man crying his eyes out. Uh, Alex in Mexico says he can never even re-watch this episode. Don't blame it you. It was to- so tough, uh, low in Wisconsin told the story that during the death scene, his mom sort of wandered in front of the television set and he completely <laughs> freaked out. I, I, sort of like Matt's story about being in the dorm and making all that noise. In any case, a lot of great stories, but we did want to get in to some of the written comments on the blog and an email. 
Burr Mike writes, wow, what a powerful episode. Tense action on island, deep character moments off island, classic lost episode, climaxing in traditional lost fashion with an unexpected death toll. I experienced 23 different emotions while watching this great episode and can tell we're really building up to the end. Q de Blue said, I didn't cry when the deaths occurred, but was touched when Hurley broke down on the beach. The writers know that Hurley is the voice of the fans, and they placed that there like a dagger to our hearts. I don't even recall Hurley crying like that, even when Libby was killed. Cool Peace writes, I was happy to see Saeed come through for his friends. During the season three finale, Saeed tells Jack just before he leads the Losties to the radio tower, don't turn back for any reason. I'm willing to give my life if it means securing rescue, but I'm not giving up for nothing. You want understand i never lost hope that saeed would do the right thing for our losties joy from florida says that episode was absolutely devastating i don't know if i want to say it was the most powerful episode of the series but it was definitely up there certainly it made me cry probably more than any other episode i was so touched by saeed's redemption to learn he did not kill desmond and then see him give himself up so selflessly was amazing ricky writes i really enjoyed this episode it really gave you what you wanted action movement and seeing everyone together Mm. also this is the first episode in a while where i didn't think a single character acted outside their personality i also enjoyed all the flash sideways stuff when they first referenced anthony cooper as someone Locke was close to i thought he wasn't a con man in this reality then when sawyer is still looking for him it didn't make sense but now we know that cooper was probably in the middle of his long con when the accident happened and it all ties together nicely well that's another thought that he actually is the person he was in the middle of trying to get Locke's kidneys maybe but this accident Mm. occurs that'd be kind of interesting and kind of a neat way for uh, anthony cooper's character to be punished for being a con man without sawyer having to be the person without sawyer having to yeah, compromise himself to do it. Yan from France writes, I think the Sun and Jin reunion scene being not that great last week makes a lot of sense now. It was the greatest hits moment. The emotions were far more powerful now after watching The Candidate. Well, that's a really good comparison because Charlie doesn't die at the end of um, Greatest Hits. Yeah, he has his great glory moment. Right. But then he still goes in the next episode. Very cool. Brian from San Jose writes, Unlock tried to construct a situation in which they would kill each other if they did nothing and also kill each other if they did something. His plan failed. How will he construct another such plan now? You know, actually, that's a good point. Uh, he says, uh, Unlock says he's going to finish what he started, but if he can't kill the candidates, how is he going to get these characters to kill? I mean, someone's going to have to kill Hurley. Who's going to want to kill Hurley? Yeah, I, mean, I know. I-, I can see that Sawyer and Jack are going to come to some kind of confrontation, uh, but actually with Kate still running around between the two of them, that's That complicates way. things. Yeah, that, could make, that could make it messy, but still if they have to kill each other, I mean, it seemed on the sub at least that they were pretty much on the same team, so that's mm-hmm. an interesting challenge there. Scott B. and D. DC writes, Kate's name was crossed out in the cave, but not in the lighthouse. Kate's name was listed as number 51, the only candidate on the list who doesn't correspond with the numbers. I always thought that the man in black crossed out her name thinking she was dealt with somehow, but that he was wrong. And so, yes, you know, Kate could still be a player. She was still on the lighthouse. That would be great. Doug writes, just recently rewatched the pilot and noticed a parallel. The trek to the no section was sparked by Jack talking to Kate about the transceiver. When Kate asked how he knew about that, he said that he took a few flying lessons, but that it wasn't for him. Tonight, we see sideways Locke was injured due to a few flying lessons. Well, that's interesting. I completely oh, forgot yeah. that Jack took flying lessons. And I guess maybe we don't need Frank if 
well, I don't know. You can't really jump to flying a jumbo jet. But uh, <laughs> yeah, a really nice catch there. Bobby writes, I am starting to feel like Jack and Sawyer will somehow end up as the new Jacob and Man in Black. They've always had a rivalry. They both have shown themselves to be adept leaders. Man in Black has shown his long con abilities to mirror Sawyer's. And I can picture both of them sitting on the beach at the end of the show with Sawyer asking Jack, do you know how badly I want to kill you right now? So there's that's thought. I mean, uh, yeah. Emma, Emma and Avery rule. Daryl also had the same thought. So instead of Jack and Locke, uh, Sawyer and Locke, what mm. do you think? I, I can see the Jack and Unlock scenario more readily than I can the Sawyer and Locke. Although I think the Sawyer and Locke would probably be very poetic and, and nice. Yeah, I mean, I suppose so. Although I really think from the beginning of the show, the two, you know, directly op- opposing sides has been Jack and Locke more so than Sawyer. But uh, anyway, let's get a couple more in. Looking California writes, great episode. Character for the character types, plot for the rest. On character versus mythology, I agree. We don't want them to rush the story at the expense of character moments. The thing is, we've had almost six years to come to understand who these characters are. It's time to finish the story. The strength of Lost is not only in its ability to create characters we genuinely connect with and love. After all, there are other shows with good character development. But Lost has, from the beginning place those characters in a story of such complexity and depth that no other show can come close. It has taken narrative on the small screen to new places, and it has taken all of us on an amazing journey. Well, here, here, and to finish us off, Brat from East Lansing writes, To the writers, the actors, the producers, the crew, and anyone else who brought this story to life, I have to say thank you. I was a little worried that the ending was going to be skewed and disappointing, and I regret having so little faith. The ending, in a way, doesn't matter anymore. I've invested so many hours watching this story unfold, and I have been rewarded with a story, a tale, a saga that has intrigued me, made me laugh, kept me in suspense, and last night brought me to tears. I never thought a TV show would ever accomplish that, and I know for a fact that the Lost production team will deliver the goods. I think so, too. Yeah, and thank you, Lost, for giving us something great to talk about all these years, and thanks to you all, certainly, for listening to this podcast. We love all of the feedback that we get on the blog through email and on the lost line uh, we can't include all of it in the podcast but we do read every email and listen to every voicemail we have about 430 comments on the blog as we record mm. you guys rock absolutely now there are only two regular episodes of lost left plus of course the epic two and a half hour season finale series finale on sunday now we normally release our podcast on sunday so here's what we're thinking for these last few transmission podcasts with next week's episode we're going to take our usual time putting together a regular show but for the penultimate episode of lost on may 18th we'll do just a brief shortwave transmission it'll just kind of be an initial reactions podcast before the end of the week so we're not going to recap it it's just going to be what we thought of it maybe a a few Lost Line calls. Yeah, then we're going to settle in, certainly, and prepare ourselves for the series finale on Sunday, May 23rd, the very, very last episode of Lost ever. And uh, as soon as we can think straight, we're going to put out another Initial Reaction Shortwave Transmission podcast, and hopefully that'll come out the very next day. Finally, we'll put together a full show for the following Sunday, which is the regular podcast day. It'll be on May 30th. We'll be looking back at the series finale and more detail and sharing a full serving of your thoughts and reactions and you all everybody 
after that, uh, who knows? I mean, I don't think we've yet come to terms with the fact that we're nearing the end of a six-year journey here, one that's certainly brought us closer together as a couple and, uh, more importantly, introduced us to you and the fantastic fan community. We've made so many good friends and uh, gotten to know many great people. We've come to love perhaps more so than the show itself. We might take a last look at the whole season as we have in years past, and we'll try to wrap our brains around the whole thing and certainly we'd like to hear what lost has meant to you over the years so there actually might be a podcast or two left in us after that yep i certainly hope so and of course for those of you who still can't let go you should know that there are many many plans out there with other fan sites and podcasts on how to continue the lost conversation i mean a whole coalition of sites are going to go back to season one and start all over again and we're definitely going to be sure to let you know about them on our site but You know, folks, all good things must come to an end, and so will eventually the transmission. Of course, we're not going to go anywhere, and we hope uh, you're going to stay in touch on Twitter, on Facebook. And uh, yes, if we can get our act together this summer, we hope you'll check out a new podcast that we're planning called pop spotting and we're going to talk about tv you know other tv and movies and music and books and try fun things like live trivia and stuff and of course if you have any ideas or suggestions on what stuff out there we could cover i mean what we've missed over the last six years just let us know we've uh, kind of been distracted over the last half decade for now though we're still going to need your feedback as loss comes to an end as soon as the episode airs on tuesday swing by the blog and share your thoughts it's at hawaii up dot com slash lost you can email us at lost at hawaii or call and leave a message on the lost line at 815-310-0808 coming up in about four minutes the forward cabin or what's left of it but first once again a musical treat from the others lost band this is their latest track based on the last recruit and it's entitled done going back Hello Jack, I was hoping that you'd come We got some catching up to do So my dead father on the island I wanna know if that was you Yes, you needed to find water I was always trying to help you
capable of Return what you took before nightfall Or we'll blow everybody up Kill Desmond, get what you asked me for John Locke tells Zombie Saeed He'll bring Nadia back from the dead And just like he did for me And so his plan is ditch lock And get to the sub Better hurry, that smoke thing runs fast Claire shows up with a gun, Kate wants her to come, so you try and be nice to Jack. Leaving the island doesn't feel right this time, what if it's not done with us yet? Let's take your leap of faith, get off my damn boat, Toya, sorry about Juliet, jump off the boat, Jack. Cause it's a nice day for a swim. That was Done Going Back, the latest song from The Others Lost Band based on the episode The Last Recruit. Um, The Others Lost Band, they're a great group based out of Boston. They write a song based on each new episode of Lost, and they've been kind enough to let us share their music on our podcast this season. If you want to find out more, hear more music, and subscribe to their transmissions, you can go to theotherslostband.com. And of course, we'll also have a link to them in our show notes on the blog, but here in the Forward Cabin, we look ahead on Lost, and what's ahead is another new episode. Coming up next on Lost, the 15th episode of Season 6, it's titled Across the Sea. The synopsis reads, the motives of John Locke are finally explained. Well, there you go. Now we know that this episode is basically the backstory for Jacob and the Man in Black, and the episode is almost entirely devoid of the main cast, which is a gutsy move at this point in the season, but only almost devoid of the cast. In any case, it goes all the way back to 23 AD. And if you want to hear more about what's coming up, we covered uh, the call sheet from the episode in our February 28th podcast. We had some filming reports in our March 21st podcast. We had what was in there? A backgammon game, a mysterious box, a man in black and Jacob as kids, of course. There was a destroyed village, serious mommy issues. And actually, as I'm sure Jen's excited to know, we are going to have a guest appearance by Allison Janney. I love her. A fantastic actress. She's going to be coming in. We're also going to see Jacob and the man in black as adults, though, and a scene where we described uh, Jacob basically dragging the man in black through the jungle. But filming is all done. I'm sorry to say they wrapped on the morning of of Saturday, April 25th. They actually filmed all night. And a little bit of trivia, we actually ran into Michael Emerson that day. In fact, that morning. And uh, he was at the mall buying boxes to ship stuff away. Mm. Kind of sad, but uh, it was really great. And he was so nice considering that the he night was that he had. so friendly and so cool and 
very tall. Yeah, and uh, you know he saved. He said they saved the hardest stuff for last. It was definitely a rough final scene, and uh, he said that he's going back to L.A. Of course, to be with his wife, who's working on True Blood. We were afraid that we were kind of holding him back, but he was so happy to just talk with us and share anecdotes and everything. Definitely one of the nicest guys on the cast. Mm-hmm. And of course, after he left us, he still had a busy day because that night was the official official rap party for the show. They held it out at the Kahala. Um, I know a few people who did manage to talk their way into Lucky. that party. But uh, basically, though, from all everybody I talked to, still that appreciation party we told you about earlier that Evangeline Lilly put on was really the main event, the one that people are never going to forget. I want to congratulate my good friends uh, Krista and Sakara for doing a fantastic job with that. But yes, two rap parties, the end of filming. Basically, there's not much else to say as far as spoilers coming up. I mean, there was that call sheet that we talked a little bit about last week um, and also six pages from the finale has leaked out on the internet as well. So if you're a spoiler addict, you can go check those out, but otherwise you can be like Jen and I guess like me now and just enjoy the rest of the ride. Thank you. (laughs) So, well, I guess that's it for the Forward Cabin and that means that's it for this episode of the transmission this show is powered by you all everybody so again please be sure to join the conversation on the blog you can comment there and share your thoughts with everybody or you can just send us an email or leave a brief message on the lost line as always we're glad to connect and chat with you on twitter and about topics not necessarily lost you can find me at hawaii and i'm at mrs hawaii all right folks stay lost everybody aloha aloha This podcast is a proud member of the Lost Podcasting Network. Get all your favorite Lost podcasts in one feed at lostcasts.blogspot.com.